Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Crowdfunder Roundtable Discussions. My name is Jeff Robertson, aka Simon Makets on Instagram, and I'll be your host today. Now, if you are a maker or publisher of comics and you feel like you have something to say, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us through Crowdfunder's official Instagram or Twitter account, and we can talk about getting you on a future episode. Now, without further ado, let's get to today's discussion. All right, well, uh, hello everyone. Uh, welcome to the third episode of the Crowdfunder Roundtable Discussions. It's our Canadian Creator Spotlight. Um, I'm Canadian. Everyone else in the room here is all Canadian. And uh, there's uh, even some cool Canada-centric projects uh, being done by some of the cool Canadians that are in the room today. So let's start off with, uh, yeah, uh, Jason and Chris, uh, introduce yourself. Uh, tell us about uh, what you guys do at Group of Seven Comics. Sure. Yeah. So, hey, uh, we're Group of Seven Comics, and uh, we put out uh, comic books uh, action adventure historical fiction comics uh, with uh, featured tales of daring, danger, the unbelievable, and the unknown is what we do. <laughs> and so we uh, we mash up elements of uh, of you know of Canadian history and art and pop culture uh, with you know our our favorite um, our favorite uh, storytelling uh, devices, whether it's you know our favorite films or comics, um, whatever it happens to be. Mash it all up into a whole bunch of uh, goodness called Group of Seven Comics. Jason, what do you think? And we've been making comics, publishing them since 2017. And it's been a really fun roller coaster ride, just going up the that first hill so far for the last few years. And it's been it's been a blast. Uh, we've met lots of cool people, you know, other great creators, and really learned a lot, you know, through printing and now up to about 11 books. And uh, wow. it's just it's been a blast. That's great. Yeah. And, uh, and Conan, uh, you uh, are a publisher and you uh, uh, run a magazine. Uh, tell us about that. Uh, I did until recently. I'm, uh, I'm the executive director of Doug Wright Awards, which uh, is an organization founded in 2005 that uh, supports um, and promotes uh, Canadian comics. We do an annual awards ceremony every year. And uh, up until recently, I was the uh, editor and publisher of a magazine called Tabble Creek for 25 years. Just wrapped up our run last fall and with the with a crowdfunded book collection and uh it was kind of a kind of an indie arts magazine uh, that published uh, fiction poetry comics uh, and, and a variety of other things that's great now um so uh you know we've all been um since 2017 that's six years ago already and yeah uh there yeah i feel like now that uh all been in it for a few years we all have projects on crowdfunder right now um and yeah actually before we get going what's uh what are what's everybody have on crowdfunder right now uh, what's uh waiting to be funded or funded already well our printing of group of seven a most secret tale which collects the first six issues of our series we sold our printing out and we need to do a new one so we thought about some things we could, you know, modify in terms of just a new presentation, new cover, new format, and loads of new content, especially in the back matter. And so we wanted to have a have a new edition of this ready to go for the, the convention season and, and moving forward for schools and libraries and, and comic shops and for fun readers like you. <laughs> so that's, this is the, the original 
uh, edition that we printed in 2020, which, by the way, was a great year to come up with a big project to have in all <laughs> the conventions that are about to get canceled. Good timing. But there you go. But we sold out anyway, so it worked out. And what was their uh, initial print run for the first uh it was 500, which we had, you know, bumped up against a few times with uh, several of the issues. And we were kind of learning what our what our market was and what, you know, what threshold we thought we could meet. And we had, you know, heard from so many either stores or or buyers that, oh, they're waiting for the trade. They're waiting for the trade. Mm. So we thought, okay, we can, we can, we can do 500. And um, luckily with support of a few really great comic stores who, bought large, large numbers from us and, uh, you know, a couple of school orders as well. And then just lugging them to different shows across, uh, the greater Toronto area and to Montreal and to Bethesda, Maryland or Washington, DC, depending on your point of view. Um, we were able to, uh, sell enough copies to, to finish our run. That's great. And yeah. Uh, Conan, what do you have on, uh, on crowdfunder currently? Uh, currently, uh, the uh, Doug Wright Awards are funding a book called The Collected Doug Wright, Volume 2. Uh, Doug Wright, who the awards are named after, was a Canadian cartoonist um, across uh, several decades, back in the, the days of magazine comic strips, newspaper comic strips. Um, he uh, he retired in 1980, but his, his strip, uh, Doug Wright's Family, which is also known as Nipper, uh, is considered just one of, the, one of the greatest Canadian comic strips of all time, which is why we, why we chose him as our for our name. And uh, so we published um, volume one with John Quarterly back in 2009, I think. And um, we've been you know, planning for years to do a volume two. We decided to do this one ourselves. So we're, we're crowdfunding that right now. We're, I think we're at 81% of our goal. It's a couple of weeks Ooh. left. Well, I think we'll be okay. And uh, it's, it's uh, something we've wanted to do for a long time just to complete the set and just have a, have a nice tribute to, uh, to him out there, both, uh, both for his memory and for his family. And just as a part, it's, it's just, we just feel it's an important part of Canadian uh, comics history. Yeah, absolutely. I've also got uh, a book that's just on its way back as well. So as, as I mentioned, I wrapped up my magazine, Tidal Creek, last year. So we just, uh, about a year ago, we fundraised uh, raised for this one. It was a, just a book of pieces from our 25 years. And uh, yeah, we successfully fundraised for that. And it's, uh, it's on the boat on its way to us right now. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, no, actually, uh, one thing that I'll ask is, uh, you know, because we're all Canadian, uh, there's a lot of different hurdles that we have to go through to publish and distribute and print comics than people in the States. Uh, there's not as many options, um, at least in terms of um, the shipping costs and various other things that we have to deal with. There's a lot of uh, big distributors that are all based in America and, and whatnot. Um, what have been some of the challenges in uh, putting these projects together and how did you overcome them? I think for us, just getting started, like no, knowing the landscape, um, you know, what kind of printer prints comics when, I mean, I know, I know there's the internet you can always just ask, but in terms of knowing the, the quality of, of the work and, and the reliability of printers. So we, our approach was to gather data first and we went to tcaf on a data gathering mission so we you know chris you had written a script already or a draft of the script mm -hmm. for six issues of our of our series 
and um we went to tcaf and and just looked to see who we could shake hands with who we could talk to that would give us the time of day and uh if anyone would be a willing to look over some of your your work that you had chris and and give us any pointers and we attended as many panels as we could to again just get a sense of who the players were in the community in toronto you know what, what stores were more supportive or less supportive of indie cartoonists and you know were there other comics out there like ours we had no idea what, what it was going to be so really just going and hanging out together at these kinds of events in toronto uh, was a huge help for us and the people we met that day uh, helped us find the first printer that we used and um have helped uh, definitely me along the way with uh with the craft of cartooning uh it was uh, a really beneficial trip to tcaf yeah we learned about bleeds <laughs> mm -hmm. when it, it took me a long time when it, when it comes to printing yeah we were very um the, this whole the whole journey for us um has been about uh reaching out learning from the community and just trying to get that data and info gather so that we can put ourselves in the best possible position to succeed. And that's in all, all aspects of what we do. So not only are we, are we you know, reaching out to creators um, at the beginning, at least for sure, for feedback on a product that we had never, I had never written fiction. Jay, you had never published art. I mean, we had both, I, I published nonfiction, you had taught art, but those are different things. And mm -hmm. so like all these all these pieces. So we sought out uh, creators to provide feedback and who have become our friends and our colleagues and our peers, which is pretty amazing. And then like the printing thing, the, the marketing thing through social media, all of it, you know, yeah, how do you design a website or even, you know, what tools or which website, you know, which, which, which um, services, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you like? What don't you like, you know, like uh, price points, like everything. So right. we, we just kind of been, and, and, and to Jason's point, yeah, we went with one printer, then about four issues in, we heard about another one and someone had mentioned this. And so we, it was a little more local. And so it was actually easier for us to pick up and then we could reduce costs. And yeah, just like, it just, you know, I mean, you want to, you want to, you want to continuously improve and move things forward. So that's kind of our, that was always our, our pitch to people who come up to us and say, how do you start? Cause you know, we're at a table and it's been five years or six years and, the, the, the answer we always give is that we we reached out, we engaged with the community and the community has been incredibly helpful. And so, right. you know, to be part of that again is, is, uh, you know, kind of coming full circle at least. And we're always still learning, by the way, I mean, we still mm -hmm. have so much to, to grow in. So, yeah. For me, there was also a huge part about the, the meaning behind some of our choices. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what is, what is the implication of, this kind of paper versus that kind of paper on the reading experience what is the what, what is it communicating what are our choices that i have never made before what are they going to mean to people who are reading this message that we're sending out there i mean something as as uh, tactile as um how is it interpreted differently if i use a brush or a pen mm. right what's the weight going to be what what art am i referencing more this way or that way uh, what previous ex experiences do the readers have with this or with that? And and I wasn't sure what anything was going to mean. So we just, then you have to eventually try, see what works, and then make an adjustment as you go. Uh, and, and also just follow your fancy, you know. And the physical weight too, by the way. I know you weren't talking, oh, yeah. you were right. talking about that, but the actual weight, like for shipping, because Jeff, you mentioned shipping. And so there's that like 
breaking point, and if we're using Canada Post up here to Canada, I mean, we, we can use other means, you know, chit chats, a whole bunch of other other carriers that can help out. But if you're using like straight up Canada Post, like at what point do their price points jump based on weight, right? And like, yeah. if we can fit that into an envelope, like does that uh, does that adjust our approach to printing, right? So it's like all those little bits, right? All those little bits. And do you remember, Chris, those first yeah. issues, like, oh yeah, covers were curling. Oh yeah, so much. Right, yeah. and I, I wanted something a little heavier, and you know, coated or non-coated, or I mean, like, oh come on, it, I didn't know what any of it was going to mean. How again, how it would be interpreted? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, I mean, I, I've been in the uh, business for a while, so a lot of the printing stuff um, I knew about. I had I've published magazines and newspapers and comic books for years. I never done book before, um, so that was a bit of a learning curve for me because that's a very different thing from printing uh yeah, periodicals um yeah. thankfully i had some friends in the industry that had done it that i could go to for advice so that was a pretty quick hurdle for me to get over but i mean as as jason and chris know i mean the hardest well for me the two hardest things were one i'd never done a crowdfunding campaign before didn't know a thing about it i mean i knew what it was and how it worked but i just getting over that hurdle to actually start and you know thankfully uh i had a friend in the publisher at black eye books who've been using crowdfunder for a while and he kind of recommended it and Held my hand a bit through the you know the, the first one I did, and uh, you know David, the president of Crowdfunder, was really helpful in answering a lot of questions and just you know offering me advice on how the campaign should work. I probably made a few little mistakes in the first one that corrected in the second one, nothing major, but that was a big hurdle. But I mean, the the hardest part for me is just and as you know as Jason and Chris know is the work of actually doing the campaign because it's not a matter of just putting it up and waiting for the money to roll in. You got to keep yeah. it work. It's actual work. And so it's not that it's hard, but you just you have to do it. Mm -hmm. you want to do it. You have to know how to do it. You have to keep it fresh every day. Uh, you have to really push it without annoying people. Um, and you just like, you have to really keep at it and not get discouraged because you're going to get, everyone knows there's going to be a lot the first day or so. It's going to go down. Maybe it'll come up at the end, but you got to do what you can in the middle to keep the money coming in. And, you know, I was really lucky with Tattle Creek. Uh, it, was, it was a product that had been around for 25 years. I had a 23-year-old mailing list. I had, you know, a dozen years of social media followers. I had uh, subscribers. So that actually, I was still a little worried about whether it would get funded, but it did. Um, with, with the Doug Wright book, you know, we're, even though people know the name through, because of our organization, we're pushing a book of cartoons by a guy that, you know, most people under 40 don't know, never heard of. So you wrote, so it's really a matter of pitching, you know, why this is an important project. Uh, and, you know, if you're, if you're a fan of Canadian comics, especially if you like Canadian comics history, getting through to people and letting them know that this, this guy's an important part of that industry. So if that's of interest to you, you might like this. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's just, it's, it's constant work. And that's really, for me, the hardest, the hardest part is um, you know, just, yeah, just reaching people, um, figuring out other ways to reach people. You know, we obviously have our own avenues with social media, email and our own contacts, but getting other people like other cartoonists uh, you know, we've had some American cartoonists who really love Doug Wright and getting mm -hmm. them to pitch it out to other people and uh, spread the word that that way. So it's about finding as many avenues as possible to spread the word. Even even when I did my Tyler Creek book, I just used every avenue I could possibly think of, every contact I had, just and just told everyone about it to get the word out. And it's work, but hopefully it pays off in the end. You get your product. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, there can't be too much said for how helpful it can be to have other people um, boosting your campaign. That could make the difference. Yeah, for 
for sure. It's definitely it's helped us for sure. We've had a couple of people that have pitched it, and I've I've seen the numbers go up as soon as they've written about it. I'm positive that it had had an influence for sure. Conan, I I think it's hilarious. I laughed because when you said I think Jay and I both when you said Michelle, you reached out to Michelle because we also reached out to Michelle. He's like, I hope there, Jeff. I hope there's a there's a, a podcast with Michelle <laughs> talking yeah. about how to run a successful crowdfunder because the guy he was should just be episode yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, right. It's a good point. Well, you know, just he actually, yeah. yeah. He actually taught me something that you mentioned as well. A uh, a uh, 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 shit chat for mailing, which oh yes, yeah. changes because like when you have an expensive our, our book's like 40 bucks if you're gonna add 20 25 bucks to that that's a turnoff for some people but if you can get it down and you know things like chit chat of uh, third-party mailing services are a lot cheaper than canada post and if you can get that postage price down that's really important to selling the book because you know as an add-on to the price that can be a bit of a turnoff when people get to actually get to the the page where they have to pay and yeah, he, totally. he, he was the one that got me into that so yeah he should he should have his own podcast and talk about it. He should have his own. <laughs> This is yeah. our first crowdfunder too, as well. This is like, this is our first time just going through it. Like we had done like a pre-order type thing for the first printing that we just reached out to like friends and contacts who we knew and we funded it that way, which was great. People like using a Google spreadsheet, right? Like very mm-hmm. e-transfers, like what was at our disposal? Uh, you know, we kicked the tires on the Kickstarter, we kicked the tires on their fundraisers. And then uh, eventually last year, we've learned more about Crowdfunder and has had, have had conversations and things. And so with the Canadian creators coming up, it was just like, oh, let's, let's try this out. And it's been, yeah, you, you're 81%. Yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. So like, I haven't you know, maybe it's gone up. I maybe it's gone up. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> so I, I jokingly will always, I, I'll check it, you know, the emails come in and then I'll just send, I'll send uh, Jason. We're at, we're at 84 as of right now. So we're both in a good spot, which is fantastic, but I'll, I'll just get it. I'll just text him like 84, 85, 86. <laughs> Chris, you know, I get, I get the messages too. Oh, I know you do, but I, I, I assume that you don't, you don't look at them. <laughs> so I just... <laughs> yeah. So how long have the campaign's been running now? Ours has been up for about, yeah, it'd be three weeks tomorrow. Nice. I think mine's about the same. I did a, I did a five-week campaign for this one. Just I felt we were going to need a few extra days, and I wanted it to I wanted to get it going before TCAF, uh, <laughs> the Toronto Comic Art Festival here, and have some time after it so people, because we were handing out promos and stuff at TCAF, wanted to give people a few days to recover from TCAF and look at it and go, go and fund it. So, yeah, so I, think, I think we've got 12 days left or so. Similar nice. thinking for us. We're we're holding on until the end of the month, um, but uh, we were also wanted to have something before TCAF and, and some time after TCAF. By the way, Conan, where where were you tabling at TCAF? What room or what space were you in? By the horrible men's room on the first floor. Ooh, <laughs> class. Oh yeah, great. Like down that at like that. Yeah, right at the bottom of the stairs there, where like you go to the. Yeah, yeah. When you're going over to the smaller area, there's a yeah. Uh, Toronto's worst men's room. Is it? You've taken a survey. <laughs> just, just based on what I've seen. <laughs> Observations. That's all. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not criticizing that it has a needle a disposal thing in this in inside, but it's very negative. Right. right. What's going on? We were upstairs and <laughs> on the second floor in the salon, and uh, it was not an easy room for people to get into uh, as they were touring around the event. There was often like a lineup for the space. I'd love to think the lineup was there because of us, but that's not factual okay. at all. That's it's a, like that every year. Know. That's like 
that's the one room they really have to pay attention to fire code for, and they're really very careful of how many people. That's right. And of course, the fire alarm did go off on, yes. on Sunday yes. while wow. we were in there. Um, but I'm always worried that people are discouraged by the lineup, you know, for this free event. They don't want to take the time to line up for 10 or 15 minutes outside. Um, mm. But it was the, the space was very vibrant, a lot of amazing, uh, beautiful looking products for people to to buy that were in there but i didn't peruse the rest of the the event at all so i'm i didn't get to the a the men's room um b the tables on the first floor i uh yeah i missed out i, I feel bad but now uh out of the uh the various canadian shows like tcaf is really good i wasn't able to make it this year but um yeah uh, have there been other ones that you've done that you've found that uh, were really Good, because I think uh, the the thing about Canada is we have so much talent and it's a large country, but there is a pretty small percentage of us that are that are producing the work in comparison to, you know, our our uh, our neighbors down south. Um, there's uh, there's just a lot more that we have to compete against. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so I think that in general, a lot of people are aware of a lot of the American uh, indie conventions and conventions, but. But yeah, uh, what have been some of the cool Canadian ones we've been to? Well, we, we ran to MCAF for the first time last year to the mm -hmm. Montreal Comic Arts Festival or Festival Bande Dessinée au Montréal. And uh, Chris your, and I... Your French I, is so good. <laughs> uh, today, it's because I've been, I've been drinking wine. And so I'm just <laughs> relaxed. Um, we had a great time, if I can speak on your behalf there, Chris. And uh, I can't wait to get back there at the end of this month it should be a blast but that's the only time we've been outside of the gta for mm -hmm. for an event and yeah i would recommend anyone who wants to have a, a great time in montreal at a comics event like the mcaf is fantastic yeah we, we've been fortunate enough to there you know there's a number of smaller shows around the gta for sure um and a lot of the libraries have jumped on right having their own mm. caps which is which which we often find uh, very attractive to us because there's either like no table fee or very minimal table fee. And also because the product that we have, you know, kind of, as, as we mentioned in the intro kind of uh, involves so many elements, especially, you know, the Canadian history piece and the education piece. And uh, we, we, we do great at libraries. We do really great at libraries. And so, um, and I'll say, and I'll, I'll put a plug in just, just because the food is the best food for <laughs> exhibitors is uh, Mississauga comic expo, which is, uh usually run through their reference library so again just just adjacent to the to, you know just off gta or just right off toronto there big show because is huge million people so like a lot of people a lot of traffic and they treat their exhibitors like they give them such great food we've had like pizza i know it sounds so silly to even say it out loud but it's like pizza like the first year we did it was like pizza chinese food subs it was just like everything they're like what do you want we're like because normally, like, you know, you go and get, like, a cup of coffee and a granola bar. Yeah. <laughs> right? TCAF, nothing against it. Thank you so much. Supported by CrowdFunder. Thank you, CrowdFunder, by the way. Uh, but um, it, it was demonstrable when Jason and I first went, <laughs> we're like, dude, you got to go to the green room and, and grab this food. So that's your plug for Canadian creators looking for shows. <laughs> grab your good food at the Mississauga Comic Expo. <laughs> Uh, I haven't I haven't really done any comic ones. Um, you know, I've 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 worked with the Doug Wright Awards for a while, but I just took over 2019, so there was there was very quickly no opportunity to do that. So, but, 
I'd like to do some in the future. Um, probably not to the U.S. I don't think it doesn't really make sense for us. But yeah, I'd like to go to a couple. And with the uh, with Chattel Creek over the years, I did I did like uh, Exposine in Montreal, which has has a bit of comics. So it's a nice little one. And Kanzi here in Toronto, which again, not not all comics, but it's got a few. And, the, and those are both really nice uh, nice festivals. We also, Chris. I mean, not to sell the other events short, but like Comic Con, Toronto Comic Con. Mm, we yeah. we do well i mean I, I get to sell some original art there and you know it's nice to sell something with a couple zeros on the end yeah i mean our first our first you know few years of, of tabling at events we're selling five dollar items yeah and it is hard to make a lot of money selling five dollar items yeah I mean, you, you throw a couple bigger ticket things in there and it all of a sudden takes the pressure off um especially when you have to drop a few hundred dollars just to pay the table fee um and then you know at, at the toronto comic-con or fan expo over three days it's like 90 bucks each in parking yeah so, <laughs> yeah when you put it that way you know so yeah. um but in terms of just reaching people and uh you know reaching other goals i found fan expo and toronto comic-con have been great for for me personally and for us as a as a team i often go into those things with goals other than uh monetary for instance like i'd want to uh, get feedback from a particular creator on you know maybe the, the latest thing i've drawn or and uh people have been so generous uh, people i've met like torontonian uh, michael cho um mm. i went to his his table and I, you know, when there was no crowd, I picked a, a dull moment and I threw a comic book down and said, and I, you know, here's some, here's some money. I'm going to buy some of your stuff. Thank you, Michael. And is there any chance I can get some feedback? And he basically asked like, how much pain did I want? What was my threshold going to be? And I, I, I said, you know, truthfully, like I'm, I'm not here to, to be patted on the head. I want to learn something. So I took a knee and he just schooled me and it was great. And he gave me a list of references like I needed to go look up, like you need to go read this and then you need to go read that and you need to go read that. And um, so having a goal to get that kind of feedback or, or um, you know, make a contact with someone that, that might, you know, pay off down the road in some way, uh, that can be a really great goal for a person like me to have at an event that makes it incredibly valuable, despite the fact that I'm either earning a lot of sales or not, you know? Yeah. And you might see William Shatner. Yeah, maybe we we we've seen. It's so funny because those those like that experience. Like this is, I mean, this is comics adjacent. But like when you go to those bigger shows and you're there in the morning for setup, right? Where people, so like no one's there. I mean, the only people are there are people who are you know the whatever setting up. So there's no fans yeah, the there yet. Artist Alley and, and the other right. Readers. And so, but then some of the some of the. Uh, guests you know are walking like that are walking around because they're setting up too right like they're like they're going to their photo op whatever it is and so i think it was a first we did niagara falls comic-con which is also an interesting show too because it gets a lot of cross-border traffic from the states mm. like just down there at niagara falls and big big fan culture show and, and we had a great time but we got there and we we're setting up and like we were near where the photo ops were just around the corner and so it was all these like 80s and 90s wrestlers Right, who like 100 i grew up with right and we're like oh. right and like tv stars from the 80s so it was like marcy from married with children like oh, marcy from married with children so there was just 
like I know that sounds silly, but it's really funny because you have this like strange access point because you're all just setting up and getting ready for the day, mm-hmm. day of work because they're working too. It's just it's just kind of this this little I I find a little bit of a little cherry on top sometimes of these shows because because you get access and even within the creative space like you're right. Jason talked to Michael and was great. And like right behind us last year at Fan Expo, because we were kind of like, there was like the pro wall and we were in Artist Alley. Right beside was Arthur Adams. Oh, wow. And so we were just like, so you just like, it, again, he's setting up and it's quiet. And you kind of go over and hey, you know, I'm not bothering you. I'm not. He's like, no, it's okay. And you're like, oh, can you sign this? Or, uh, you know, and he's, and you have, you get the time. It's like the bonus of the creator. You get the time with the people who you mm-hmm. want to see because they're not, they're not 500 deep of fans, right? Yeah. Yeah. To add on to that story, just to make it personal for a moment, um, Arthur let me stand over his shoulder and watch him draw on someone's sketchbook. He was drawing an amazing, you know, dark side portrait. And just to see this guy, you know, execute his craft at the level at which he performs, um, something that I, you know, 13 year old me would have only dreamed uh, to get to watch him draw. And he's He's so meticulous, and uh, he was really, really, really nice. So there's a couple of those kinds of things that have happened uh, because of being at these kinds of events. It's been a real treat. Yeah, it's like those those types of things happening uh, on some level kind of remind you why you're even doing it to begin with. Yeah, and I think that the fact that we're we're makers, um, it, it there's a different permission there a little bit. Like I, I think mm-hmm. he wasn't letting people without the badge go behind his table um right. and but i you know he had met me a couple times throughout the weekend in the mornings and and so he knew that i was regularly <laughs> coming by and saying hi and he i think he he knew that i wasn't giving any uh any creepy vibes <laughs> so that's it a, was uh but yeah it was great and that's actually a really good point because we we use those opportunities too to as we were talking about it's like this learning piece but it's journey to connect right so we were so Jeff. We met at SPX yep. uh, last last fall in Washington, and um, uh, we this that was our first American show, and we had never crossed the border with our comics. We never did anything like that. So at Fan Expo, which is about a, uh, six weeks before SPX, we were I was engaging a whole bunch of American like comic pro writers who I like like their stuff, and that, that that would be the intro. And then I was like, hey, listen, we're actually crossing the border the first time. What? How do you do this? What do you do? <laughs> right and mm-hmm. and like getting advice like get oh you should you know oh where are you crossing and will this work for me or this so again it is these you're right it's as you know you're you're your peers somewhat you're in that space together as as makers and so um you know you can obviously share a kind word about the book you're loving as well but also like hey let's actually need you some advice like what do you think about this and Nothing but I've certainly experienced something, Jason. You know, I think you're probably the same. Is uh, we've experienced nothing but collegiality when it comes to yeah. those things, um, which has been an incre- incredibly helpful to us. Except for once, <laughs> I was somewhere that was I'm not I won't name names. I was at a life drawing session, not a class, but a session of of artists hanging around in in a studio doing a life drawing class and there was a, a pro who has a name that I recognize because I have you know seen their books on the shelf and whatnot I'm like a mainstream artist and they were complaining that people are always asking them what kind of tools they use as if that's going to make them any better and I, I thought to myself like what does it cost you to say I use a pentel brush pen or I use a 
of this? Like, what does it, what does that cost you to just give a person uh, that you add your experience to, to their database, you know? And, mm-hmm. and this, this individual was not nice about talking to other people about his, his precious tools. And uh, <laughs> other than that one individual, everyone has been incredibly nice. And I would actually I'd say they've been generous. Everyone's been very generous, especially the Canadians. <laughs> yeah, more you get to a TCAP, I think, when you're you know you're doing your either either your Friday night setup or your Saturday morning setup, and everyone's just kind of around. It's a really good time to just uh, you know reconnect with people you don't see very often, or you only see at TCAP, or just you know just chat with people, or even even meet some people you wanted to meet, whether it's a publisher or a creator, or people you didn't know you were going to meet. It's just it's a nice little social un- unofficial social time, and uh, you know for me, I kind of. I usually go half an hour early on Saturday just to kind of hit people's tables quick before the crowd comes. But it's it's also a really good time just to kind of make some of those connections. Definitely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, now, uh, kind of like circling back a, a little while, um, you're mentioning when you were at TCAF, uh, you're selling some art and, uh, you know, selling some stuff that's more than $5. I know that's something for... Uh, crowdfunding campaigns also that uh, you know usually um, it seems that people who have stuff that's more than just their book it's a good way to try to you know make a little bit more because because yeah I think um, we both did pretty well at SPX but we were really grinding because like everything that I had also was like five dollars and and so yeah um, have you uh, found that there was anything that you've experimented with trying to sell that didn't work or stuff that you're trying to augment your books with that that did work selling prints has been helpful for sure um they don't cost a lot to make on the print side and um you know they have a higher price point i get i like jokingly will say like you know the comic book will have in it 24 pages plus a cover so let's say that's 25 drawings mm-hmm. it sells 25 drawings reprinted for five bucks yeah but a print is one drawing reprinted for 20 bucks so it it's it's interesting how you know how things how value think value is different for everyone out there and buyers want different things but um experimenting with prints has helped um having original art out has helped for sure um i think having maybe a smaller print size will help like mm-hmm. for not just our book for the new printing of group of seven and most secret tale we're going to a library like manga uh, six by nine size mm. as opposed to the, the traditional comic book size um, but i think even having like prints chris that are smaller as well like that nine by twelve or um you know something a, a little smaller people can sort of go through a little file and pick out the beautiful print they want that might be a lot of fun too but we'll, we'll see maybe for mcaf yeah, we're always seeing what everyone else is doing too, right? We're really yeah. curious, right? So even like our table mates, you know, where where we are, just like what's how are people, you know, what are you selling really well? What's what's going on with your table? And having the multiple price points is, I think, key. And but that comes with like you know, we start off with one product, right? Like one comic book and then a second comic book, right? So um, the having that, and then so we and we also we learned really well with the print thing that. Um, you know, I mean, if you're if you're up for it and you enjoy like the the fan printing, like yeah, I'm gonna draw a Boba Fett or whatever it happens to be, uh, and and that's and that also brings you joy. Like you know, mm-hmm. don't do it because you think you just have to. But 
we were at a show uh, at a Comic-Con and a friend of ours, another indie comic uh, creator, had his comics out, right? But then he had, he had two prints on the table. It was just, it was just, it was just like an open, and his one was a Venom and one was a Carnage from Spider-Man. And like, you know, you can, if you love those characters or not, it doesn't matter. Point was, is that like, he was selling his comics, but like, those are the things that people like, oh, and he just kept like, just like 20 bucks, 20 bucks, 20 bucks. And so it became this, we were just kind of like amazed because, you know, he was selling a little bit of his indie comics, but he was selling these prints and that was at least helping him to be there. Mm-hmm. It was helping him to be there and to cover those silly parking costs or those silly whatever, right? So um, maybe it's not the thing that he loves, but he enjoys, right? Um, so right. I think what we found is that, like, yeah, having the different points. And with a crowdfunder, for example, like, you can get our book. You, we have different things you can get. Uh, some of the print copies of the comics are a lower price point. We have some, like, Jason, you know, you've offered some original sketches, too. So that's, like, a higher price point. So we have found that when, it's interesting. When I look at the the data from the crowdfunder, you know, it's not like all the new printing. Like that's like, I don't know, maybe 30% of it. Like people are buying little bits here or they're just donating, which is an amazing thing to see. Mm-hmm. But, or they're buying like the higher, they're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to throw these guys X and I'm going to get this sketch. Uh, like I don't really need the book or I already have a version of the book or whatever. So that's the other thing too, is that because we're reprinting it or not, re- we're creating new printing of this. You know, I mean, a lot of the con, the story is the same. So someone might be like, ah, I've already got this story. What else do you have? It's like, well, we have all these other things. And mm-hmm. uh, we have found that to be, as I see the, the orders come in, it's, it's interesting because it's not like, like the featured product is the new printing. Um, and yet, you know, people are going to all the other options too. Being like, oh, you know, five bucks here, oh, 20 bucks here, whatever happens to be. So, I, I mean, I think advice wise, if people are starting to think about doing a crowdfunder, like for sure have multiple price points, which, which was the advice we were given when we asked crowdfunder, <laughs> right? Like have multiple price points. And don't be scared, you know, don't be shy to have some things that, you know, are are worth the value that you're setting them at, because perhaps it's like original art and that, that comes with a, a work involved and a value involved, right? And people are willing, uh, that's the other thing I think, I think too, we found with this, the campaign is, you know, we're only a couple, you know, one or three, three weeks in, but people are, are willing to, to support and pay the, the fees and donate. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible, actually. So you know, don't be shy. Don't be scared off by that. You know, I think originally when we first started, we we're like, oh, no one's going to pay more than X for this. And yeah, no, they will. And I don't mean that as like, I don't mean that's like a, a purely, you know, capitalistic sentiment. I just mean that like, yeah. it's, it's, it's representative of the value of the product that you're creating. Yeah. With my Telecreek project, I didn't have tears. I just, it wasn't that kind of project. So I decided it was just going to have to live or die by uh, how many people actually wanted it. Wow. And, nice. Uh, and like you said, you know, a lot of people bought it, but a lot of people just gave a lot of extra money as a donation, uh, which was really nice to see. Some people gave a lot of money. Um, so it, uh, that was great. Uh, with, with the Doug Wright project, we did have some tears. You know, we had to, uh, Seth is our, our designer on the book. So we had, you know, there's a, there's a signed by Seth tier. And oh, nice. Um, but once, I mean, we, had, we, we really went gangbusters the first couple of days and then it's it went uh we did it really stalled to a degree that i felt was more than the usual stall it wasn't it wasn't moving forward for a few days and i was getting worried so we called in some favors and we asked some artists to uh donate uh, original art and we created some incredibly high tiers for people but still really affordable if you're a fan of like you know chris ware or dan Klaus or seth still really cheap compared to um 
what it was cost. I didn't I didn't want to do too much of that because I didn't want to fund the whole campaign with six pieces of art because then you've only got six readers and there's really not much point to mm-hmm. you know, make a book for six readers. So I didn't, but uh, so it's it's a it's it's a portion, but it's, uh, it won't be the majority, but it'll be an important portion, and it, it really helps. But and the other thing when um, I did I I put those tiers up in two two parts. Some last week, some this week. Um, some people came in and bought the art, but just the the days that, that we released that art, we got a lot of other regular sales too. So just having that sale and that art for whatever reason, I don't know, pushed uh, the campaign in general. Uh, maybe it's people just talked about it, share. I don't know why, but it helped in general as well. So maybe it'll be a quarter of our of our funding in the end, but uh, it really helped overall. Yeah, and uh, once you uh, get the get the goal to be able to pay the printer, then you can recoup the cost when you also have the rest of the books too. Conan, do you find the, uh, like, you'll put something out, like a post or an email or whatever, and it's like, that's the next day, the 24 hours, you see more come in. It's like that a constant reminder. Like, it's, it's finding that balance, right? Like, you're not pestering, but you are reminding. Yeah, I don't, I don't post, I don't always post every single day. I'll take a day off occasionally. Uh, I was going to take today off till I realized it was National Cartoonist Day, and I realized, oh, that's I've got to, I've got to do a post. We should probably do that. Yeah, that, I should do that too. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Wright, especially, just because he was a cartoonist. Sure. Yeah. Um, not always, because you know you're like you've got to deal with the algorithms too. So something maybe you do a post, nobody sees it. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is well, you know, I, I did a I did a panel with David and a couple other people at TCAF, and we're talking about this, like you know. Um, and Michelle, I think, was saying you can you can get it in your head that you're bugging people because you're posting too much, but sixty percent of people aren't seeing your post anyway, so you're not really bugging. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's important to keep at it, and yeah, I mean, yeah, you must, you still have to be conscious of annoying people with too many posts or losing losing followers or something as a result of posting too much. But um, yeah, I haven't compared too closely, but I yeah, I'm, I'm sure we get a few yeah. we, uh, off each post for sure. We, we found it just interesting, like in the sense, like every week so far we sent out, you know, we do the social media stuff and then we sent out a, a mass email every week to our subscribers through our website, which is, you know, let's say it's 300 people. It's not a, a crazy amount, but it's enough. But I find that when I send those out, like within, you know, I usually send them at a certain time and within like 12 hours of that, it's like, it start you know, it's like, oh, and it's interesting too because like we provide them and now like you as you can provide them with updates where it's like we're here funded we're here funded we're here funded then it's like the messaging changes where it's like hey help us get over that hump like we're almost there mm-hmm. we're so close yep. and you know people respond which is uh, you know I'll, I'll put one out tomorrow uh and it's further than it was the one i put on wednesday and so it's like just just that close that close so it's often i find that um uh, we we heard from a lot of folks too, like friends and colleagues and things, saying, "Oh yeah, I'm totally got to get to this. I'm totally going to do this." You're like, okay, cool, cool. Well, here's your reminder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you if you're no, if yeah, if you want to, right? Like if you're if you're keen to do it, and we, obviously we appreciate the support regardless. But yeah, well, you at the end, at the end, especially, you really want to do do a lot of posts at the end just to let people know, you know, this is it. It's not. Fully, I mean, yeah. if it's, either way, you know, whether it's fully funded or not, just it, you know, two days left, three days left. If you if you haven't done it, now is the time to do it. Especially if you haven't met your goal yet, and you you, you really you need those last few sales. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I I feel like with a lot of people, um, you know, 
it's really easy to see something that you're interested in. Like you get a newsletter or you get, you know, see a face on a uh, post on Instagram or Facebook and, uh, and think like, oh, this is really great. I want to go support that. And, uh, but they're at work or they're in between something and they forget about it. And, uh, yeah, those constant reminders, like they do, uh, it feel, it does feel like a lot, uh, to pester people, but you kind of have to. <laughs> Now, um, one thing I'm actually a little curious about, uh, Jason and Chris, is you both of you have like done a lot of shows, traveling, uh, traveling around quite a lot. Uh, how has uh, everything worked out, like on the financial side of that? Because I know that there's a lot of people who um, they're on the fence about if they can make the commitment to go to a lot of shows because that is a time commitment and that is a money commitment. And uh, yeah, how how is that? been working out for for you for anyone who uh, might be on the fence about it it's been positive so far and we've we kind of now have a sense after last year especially which was our our biggest year at any uh our biggest year of exhibiting to date um we now have a sense of like what our sort of high end is for book sales um and therefore then you can adjust like okay well then if we can sell this many books and maybe this many prints and this much art or whatever, we, we can cover these many, this much cost. So, uh, and then there's other shows where like SPX, for instance, where part of the benefit of going to the States and going to the Washington DC area um, is to see what it's like. And, you know, some, I mean, if we were to friends that had took a golf weekend and we went to uh, Virginia to go golfing, we're not making money, right? We're just mm -hmm. spending, but it's still a quality weekend, you know, with you, you know, with, with a buddy. So we look at it partially like this is something experiential. We're getting away from our respective uh, families for a few days and having an experience going, going on a little road trip with a pal. And, um, and we, we get to have the fun of being at an event like SPX and we are tabling, we are two tables away from the legendary Dennis Kitchen. Um, so that was pretty cool just to hear his voice. I'm like, oh my God, that's that's Dennis right there. And talk to him for a minute. And he had, of course, uh, our portfolio with Will Eisner art in it. Mm -hmm. Like original Eisner pages. So I got to leaf through that and have my mind blown to, you know, be near something that belongs in a museum. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was super special. So there, are, it's not always about, what you get back in terms of monetary sometimes it's it's worth the expense and spending a couple thousand dollars to to make this happen and if you earn back 1200 or whatever it might be it, it sometimes it comes out it's still it's still a valuable experience so we um we we kind of i think we've left it where maybe we every other year we 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 reach out to or branch out to something a little more costly like we maybe don't go every year to something like that but every other, and then having those library shows that are local at Mississauga or in Whitby, Ontario, um, and then you you know you offset the cost because you you make a few hundred there and throw it into the kitty, and then you've got enough to uh, sponsor your your trip to to maybe next time it's Emerald City, you know, in Seattle, or maybe it's Van Calf or or something like that, or Decaf outside of Halifax, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna try to be a decaf this year. Um, nice. It's uh, uh, I think I believe it's run by Calum Johnson, who owns Strange Adventures, which is uh, I think those those stores are the best in Canada. I think 
I think you'd be hard pressed to find uh, any store that's like significantly better. That's for sure. We're big yeah. fans of the Dragon in Guelph. It's Chris's mm-hmm. hometown at the moment, and we love Jen and Amy there, and uh, they they've always supported us a lot. But I'll admit, you know, like there's a, a box coming from Cal to my house as we speak. <laughs> I re- I mean, he posts so actively, or the, the guys at the shop, you know, him and Dave and whoever else works there. I don't know. Um, they post so actively on on Instagram all these comics that I know I want. So I'm I'm constantly messaging like, hey, put that aside for me, please. And and every four months or so, uh, a box arrives that is like, oh my gosh, it's so much fun, so much fun. So I'm a huge fan of Strange Adventures. Great yeah. Now, um, actually, that that brings to mind. Um, have you, uh, have any of you tried to make much effort to? Um, distribute your books into stores and how has that gone? Like, Mixed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to be putting the Atomic Creek book in just a handful of stores. I mean, I've got, I have pre-existing relationships with some stores that carry magazines from the magazine and uh, I'll hit a few others. Um, now, I mean, like, I've made the money back so I'm not super worried about it, but I, I do want to get it out there. So yeah, we'll do a few stores and Doug Wright. Yeah, I mean we're we're selling to retailers as part of the campaign, so that's uh, that's been an important part of the campaign. So you know, we give them a retail rate and and they'll commit to a certain number of copies. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to do a big push on on retail next week to get it in. Uh, as much that's as a great time. idea. Mm, that's a good idea. Yours. Maybe something we always learning. Always yeah, with, my, uh, <laughs> with my last couple campaigns that I did, I found that. Um, the uh, the retailer support that I got from the handful of shops uh, really did like help a lot uh, meet that meet that bottom line at the end. Even though you're selling them at cost, um, or you know you're making a little bit, but not as much because you're you know giving them their price so they can sell it. Um, but yeah, let's say uh, uh, people every every person that I've talked to has a different approach to how they deal with talking to stores and getting their books actually on shelves, or if, even if that's the goal. So. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny for us. It was the goal at the beginning. We were we were very keen to try and get our book into as many stores that would carry us as possible. Um, and so we 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 hit like the GTA up area hard. We we sent stuff across Canada. We then tried to tried to we we're like, oh, well, what about shops in the states? And so we kind of chose like Great Lakes Great Lakes adjacent stores, things that like were probably within an eight hour driving distance from us in case something came up where we could go. But we also sent to California, New York, truthfully. Um, and we did we, we got some, as Jason said, mixed. We we were carried pretty frequently in a few stores, uh where it was like whether it's like the Beguiling in Toronto or the Dragon here in Guelph or and some have been like really keen on it. But about two years ago, maybe or two or three years ago, we kind of found that in term we we were selling more either online or at shows and we were through stores so mm-hmm. i think we've maybe as much as we still like our product in stores it we haven't i don't think i think you know, J, you know jay feel free to contradict me but i feel like we haven't been quite as like hot and heavy about trying to get into stores as we were at the beginning um we've kind of maybe maybe just kind of pivoted a bit um to try and find other avenues like for example, because of the of the educational component, like directly to schools, or we've been mm-hmm. in like we're in a few like we're in a few like museums and things because again we kind of fit that um, demographic, and so like we've tried I've tried to like get into like Parks Canada, 
to be like, oh, well, you should have this in your gift shop, right? And I, I still haven't found the right contact to do so. I don't know if anyone's listening out there. Fuck and military together, museums. Know. Yeah, like stuff Dude. like other, other because of the nature, yeah. you know, of the Conan Anderson, but our books are like very much set in the First World War and in that area. So like there's that linkage. So like we found that like we're just, we're always trying to to, to broaden the audience base. And I think we, we set out very much thinking like, oh yeah, let's get these in stores and go that route. And I think after doing it for a few years and trying really hard, it was like, well, there's other avenues too. So, you know, just kind of diversify that a bit. Well, the beauty yeah, and, initially, and, and, yeah. initially, oh, sorry, go ahead, Conan. Say, the beauty of a, of a crowdfunding project is that even though, even though you still want to be in stores, it becomes less important because you've already reached a lot of your audience and sold them a book already. So you don't, it's not like that's, that's for me is one of the best parts of, of doing things this way. Right. Agreed. Um, you know, when you think about just the, the price cut that you get selling one to a reader, one mm-hmm. to a store, it seems silly to put your emphasis on the store instead of the reader when we have direct access to the readers. Mm-hmm. And it's just about growing, you know, the pool of readers that we have access to through social media, through events and networking and things like Crowdfunder as well. So, um, yeah, Chris, I agree with you. We are a lot less hot and heavy. But then also, like I said at the very beginning of this, like it, we came in not knowing who who the key players were. And I now, you know, I have to be honest, I think I know every store in the GTA. And I know, do they sell Marvel DC and Image? Do they sell Indie? Uh, what's their blend? Who, who's their target market that, you know, that comes into that store? Who's rejected me because not out of, not being rude, but, so mm-hmm. like, I don't really think I can sell that. Um, and, and who's embraced it? Like, I'll be honest, the Beguiling bought a box from us. They bought a box of 40 from us. Wow, and, nice. You know, knowing that we were, you know, had, had this this printing and the, the pandemic was on and, and, you know, Peter's like, take a box. Great. Here's, here. it's fantastic. And Cal at Strange Adventures bought a, a substantial amount too. And at the Dragon, they bought a substantial amount. So those are the three stores that are on my like top of list that I'll always you know want to make sure they get our product because they acted like they could sell it. I don't know if they actually did. Uh, I know Jen and Amy the Dragon did really well selling selling our book, and that's just one store in, in one town. But the rest of the comic book landscape, they were really hurting. I think in in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. So we also felt that it wasn't the ideal time to go asking. To like add to their workload yeah. and they earn so little off of that interaction. Like every, every form that the comic book store fills out, uh, that's time. And they're, they're making pennies off of the time they're, they're spending talking to us. So it wasn't worth everyone's time to respond. And I, I really do get it. But uh, for us, it was like, let's just then sell to, you know, by hand and sell to readers directly. And it, it seems to, to be the right mix at the moment. For me too, like where I'm, uh, I'm not really concerned about making a profit. We're not looking to make profit. So I'm fine selling a cost, but when you go too hard on retail, then you've got postage if you're going outside of your, mm-hmm. and that can get really expensive, especially like I'm doing big hardcover books uh, that can get really expensive to ship. So maybe, maybe the store pays for it, but again, that ups their price and uh, yeah, postage when you're doing your own, your own, your own distribution. My dream would be that we get in a van <laughs> and we'd go cross country and drop off comics at every oh, store. Mm-hmm. 
just do it just deliver them ourselves it'd be so much fun it'd be terrible that van would stink <laughs> but yeah. uh it would be so much fun to make it easy for everybody and you know, we we did have an opportunity to um saddle up to a smaller publisher that offered us you know diamond distribution for our book but it nah, the rest of the deal didn't seem so good but i would i would love it if people could order a book across across canada that would be really cool maybe one day i think they can order it just directly from yeah, us they can order it exactly yeah 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 i i keep thinking about other other creators and what models they use to get their books out there and the one that i i can't help but come back to is just ed brubaker and sean phillips mm. and they're putting out three or four hardcovers a year and they have their audience built and and every comic book store seems to push their book and they're just their fan base is just growing and growing every year because uh, they make this this unique thing and uh, they get to make the books that they love under their own terms I'm like that sounds good I like I like that idea let's let's do that yeah <laughs> now um a lot of a lot of uh you know all these projects they're pretty canada centric have you been finding much uh, basically i'm wondering how your, what your strategy was for getting stuff to people um in the states if at all because i know that especially over the last 2 years and especially in the last year the the shipping costs has, have become very crazy to send into the states from our end and from their end to get books to us um to the point that people i've noticed are not doing international shipping anymore some people i mean i'm doing it on the campaign but in terms of retail you know everything i just said about canada you can double or triple that um even you know i was doing the magazine even i only did two or three stores in the states because it just it's yeah just not worth the, the cost of printing and shipping to send it down there sometimes i'd love to but uh, i'm not worried about it either because i don't think our product has as big a u.s audience mm-hmm we find that I find that uh, the sales that we do make in the states, um, there are sales that come in. It's it's you know there and the one thing that I, intrigues us about that market, aside from it being you know ten times larger than our domestic market or whatever it happens to be, is that um, the there's like a lot of support for indie comics. Right, there's a lot of people keen about. Oh, I think Jason's got to go. Um, that's okay. Uh, there's a lot of support. And so we'll find that we'll be shipping books to California or Utah or wherever. And then people are into it. Oh, he's back. <laughs> um, I, but you know what I mean? So like, we won't, we won't ever say no. Um, you know, people want to pay the shipping. That's, that's great. Great. It's there. The shipping's there. They, it's, it's pretty clear, pretty open about it. Um, but we have found that, you know, little by little, we do these campaigns where they grow the audience there. And, and it's, and uh, like, but it was really funny because at SPX, like we had to like pitch the book in person, right? So like mm -hmm. our pitch changed. Our pitch changed from like, hey, there's these Canadian soldiers on this mission to save the world to like, hey, we have this book and it's about action and adventure and, you know, and, and even even the language. Like, so in Canada and the Commonwealth, it's known as the First World War. Well, it's, it's called World War One in the States. Like it's, it's mm -hmm, and right. that's a small distinction, but it, it resonates with different audiences, right? So even though we kind of use it interchangeably in Canada, generally speaking, it's the First World War. So like, and then, and also, then you take because of the historical nature of that conflict, like the United States did, does not have a popular um, memory of that conflict as much as they do the second of World War II. 
Mm-hmm. So there's right. like there's, there's no pop culture either. Yeah, there's like a whole different you know different marketing pitch that Jay and I thought up of just to engage with that audience on a book that arguably is so Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> right because of the the nature and the content. So, but but there's still but we also found there's the yeah like the the audience is there to support indie comics. And it's just trying to find those avenues that aren't too cost prohibitive from the shipping if possible to kind of to to leverage it that's what we that's what we found anyway right we over the pandemic as well i engaged quite a bit with uh a a particular group of comic readers and cartoonists online through facebook and through zoom and youtube and the group is like really hungry for indie, indie comics so we sold a fair number of books just to people from this particular group um this community online and that was a great way to also talk to other creators and and indie cartoonists and and shop managers and owners during the pandemic and get in you know take temperature of of the industry south of the border um and and the buying community south of the border um but for us dealing with the states they don't have first world war as part of their curriculum Mm -hmm. there isn't the, this broader interest outside of comics for a comic book about the first world war and a bunch of Canadian soldiers where in Canada um, we can get people who are students just in grade nine and 10 to read it, even though they might not be comic book collectors. Mm-hmm. So it's, the, so it really does, even though it's like 10 times the population, it's just the niche market in the States where in Canada, it really can go, cross cross the board you know we get sometimes grandparents reading it and we get grandkids reading it whether they're into comics or not it's sort of like a an interesting um an interesting artifact that it kind of sits in in multiple worlds you know but not in the states <laughs> but yeah no, that's that's good uh really like you know there are stories about tim truman selling scout at gun shows and uh, right. there's a lot to be said for um, basically putting your comic and selling it in non-comic settings, because that's also the only way the industry is going to grow also. Um, right. Now, that's a whole other thing with uh, the comic book industry and and it's uh, ever diminishing, uh, you know, 40 plus Wednesday Warrior uh, market. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a really big fan of the idea of that Tim Truman at Tim Truman at a gun show. Um, just that I love the idea of us being the only comic book at a yeah. non-comic book kind of thing. That, that to me, I think that's really interesting. Uh, you'd, I think we'd really stand out there, and that's one of the things I like about us being at the, the fan-focused ones because we're we're indie, and then at the indie things we have a couple fan things. Mm-hmm. So we our style is a little more mainstream. Um, you know, in the fact that it's a like over the top action and adventure story, so it fits a mainstream audience, but the subject matter is definitely not mainstream, right? There's no capes yet, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and it's not colorful on the interiors. So I like I like the the going zagging when they run zigging. I, I'm I'm a fan of that. I found it's that interesting. My, I found that with my magazine at some point at a certain point too, where I would uh, if we had a theme issue or something like that. I could find another market that I wouldn't, or a fair where I would that I wouldn't normally go to, and it would that one issue would sell that like like we, we would do an all comic issue every once in a while. I get a table of tea cap that year, which I wouldn't normally do, but 
uh, you know, people would buy that one issue that wouldn't normally buy the magazine. Uh, so yeah, that's a great idea for people in all areas for sure. Yeah, it's um, you can uh, you know, be uh, the person who's like in the sea of everyone else like you, or the only person who is different from everyone else, and you know. Yeah. Now, uh, Conan, you did uh, run a magazine for a long time. Um, uh, did you find that? Because you also mentioned that it was a bit of a different beast tackling uh, books versus doing periodicals. Uh, what did you find uh, from your experience doing the magazines that uh, you were able to carry forward into what you're doing now? Uh, hmm. I mean, probably a lot. And then specifically, I mean, I, a lot of the skills, you know, editing and uh, production and uh, design and printing. Um, just a lot of carryover there uh, because I was dealing with cartoonists in the magazine too. You know, I, came over the years to have a lot of connections in comics and just know a lot of illustrators, uh, meet people that, you know, I was, I've always been a comic fan, but maybe I met a lot of other people that might not have uh, met otherwise. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it's the same thing. It's just, uh, you know, it's it's bigger and uh, and you sell it a little differently. So it's, uh, it, there was there was a lot of carryover, like almost, almost everything. Uh, it, just, it was, if I had never published anything and sat down to do a, a 400 page book uh, yeah i mean i can go back and look at my first magazines and see what the learning curve was because yeah so, so they would it would look as bad as those <laughs> <laughs> well that's great now um also um i think one one last thing that uh you could see because we kind of talked about it a little bit uh, but uh for for people at home um what if you uh, been finding in terms of, it's going to be different because every project is different, but in terms of marketing and finding your audience, uh, what do you feel like has been the most helpful thing in finding your direct audience? Like, you know, there's a lot of people out there to buy comics, but how have you gone about trying to find the people to buy your comics? Well, I mean, for us, um, we're, I mean, we don't sell comics like, yeah, but our our book's a very niche book, so we're trying to find that niche. Not, I mean, not just necessarily people that knew it, because they're half most of them are dead, but uh, uh, just you know people that just appreciate that kind of, that kind of old school cartooning. You know, if you like peanuts, you might like this kind of thing. So just uh, finding our niche uh, and aiming at that niche and trying to broaden that niche as much as, much as possible and bringing as many people into it. Mm. I think the thing that's probably helped us the most is being at the events. Would you yeah. say, would you say, Chris? Yeah, yeah, getting ourselves out there. Um, I'd also say that just seeing what sticks, right? Throwing a whole bunch of the <laughs> bunch of the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. Um, we we've we've really engaged at like all avenues because we don't have the answers and we didn't have any data to go on, and so we needed to understand what was out there. And I think being at the shows is probably like the visibility thing, I think is key. Like, I think like you can, you can market all you want on social media, which of course we also do. And, but I, I, I think that in person, that, that, that being that tangible nature of, of in-person connectivity is uh, you, not to be uh, overstated. Like I think it's, it, it is, I think the thing that has probably 
grown our audience because you get to meet us in person. We get to meet you in person and form form that relationship, right? Um, the one thing that you know we've done a few we we do you know the odd the odd classroom workshop here and there, and people ask the questions about the comic and and the the content, but also about just like the the business behind trying to do this, right? And one thing we we say is that you know you can have you can have you know you can blow us away on your social media numbers, right? You can do that. Doesn't mean people are buying your comic. It just means that people are following you on Instagram. It's all it means. Right. Yeah. And 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 so you can only take that for whatever for, for whatever value it is. But we find that that you know getting out there and growing it in person has been we found to be the most successful. And I'm sure people are able to be super successful using other streams, but definitely getting out there. And we're fortunate enough that because we live in the GTA, there are so many opportunities for it to happen now you got to be like you know we got to be choosy because often there's price points involved you know but that, that goes to your question about traveling and trying to find the value of exhibiting in different locations um but because it's there and because most things are a couple hours drive for us and because we have a product that can speak to different audiences like we try to hit up as much as we possibly can um just to grow it organically um and i think that's been the the thing for us for sure I think it all helps. They all feed off each other. Uh, yeah. You know, social media. I mean, if you're, yeah, in, in person's great, but ho hopefully your social media helps bring people out to see you in person too. And right, you know, right, right, right. Yeah. You know, Tells people where we are. Yeah, absolutely. You can't have too many avenues. It's, it's all, uh, it's all good. Yeah, it's like there's no, there's no one solution. There's a lot of different solutions that all amalgamate together to, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I started long enough ago that I, I mean I can speak to like we started in 1997, and you know there was barely email back then, and you know when we launched just our email list in 2000, um, that was a game changer. Like all of a sudden we got so many more people coming out just from sending out to a small email list when before our avenue was putting an ad in a local paper or postering or something. Right. And then you know uh, that grew, and then the social media came. And social media wasn't the biggest game changer in terms of making money, but it certainly gets the word out more and brings more people out. So it's, it's a, but, uh, but people actually also love coming out to our events and that's a really important part of the whole mix too. So yeah, it's all, it's all, it's uh, it's all helped me over the years. It's all, it's all been great. The one that's helped me the most just specifically is like just drawing something that's good looking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> When I draw something good, I notice dramatic results in, uh, you know, the attention it gets out there online and, and the sales increase. So, uh, you know, having, tapping into something, getting an iconic image, um, you know, it's, it's the first thing that someone sees in, in 10 seconds. So the other thing we've done that's really helped us is we've done three monthly Instagram comics where mm. for a month, for you know the 31 days of October or whatever it was, or in this case it was December, 31 days of December just passed in 2022. Every day we would release three panels of a story and, and the story um and was quickly written and quickly drawn. That the that's the sort of the spirit of it was done in under an hour. So they're uh, they're energetic and spontaneous, and we did that three times, and then by the end of the month, we've got our 93 panels, which is enough for a, a comic book. And then, you know, this time for our crowdfunder, we've added the most recent one called Hunter's Moon, Peregrine's Hunter's Moon. We've added that to uh, to the to the I, I'm one of the rewards. So it's been fun. We have, we've got two others we did in the past. 
and again like they're they're really dashed off like yeah, there goes my phone you know like so they're not very polished especially this one uh that covers very very loosey-goosey but we just you know put together elements of the book after the fact but it's been fun having these uh adjacent narratives and like we get a ton of followers for the month um, and they usually stick around after so that's been a good way to mm. to promote our our main products and uh and reach new people for sure yeah and learn yeah right yeah yeah that's a great like, way to uh you know experiment and put yourself yeah. out there in a way that doesn't really cost you much other than your time and you that's know right. it's a way for you to learn and get better and practice your craft and also for people to see you it's great yeah and within the cartoonist community that people that i know like it's it seems to get their attention more than than i would have expected you know, like there's a, oh, you're trying something new. You're, you're, mm -hmm. you're experimenting. I'm curious about your experiment. And that's sort of like yeah. a, a way in it for a lot of people. It checks a lot of boxes for, uh, I think, a lot of creative people who were, you know, in, in, our, in our circle. Because it's, it's, you're creating every day. There's a spontaneity energy about it that isn't in like a long form draft of a comic that you're kind of workshopping back and forth. And at the end of it, you get a physical product or and a digital product, which you then can take to shows. And we, you know, we just do a small print run and they sell out, which is, Hey, and then, you know, but, but then we sell the digital files and be like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to put them all together in a, in omnibus at some point and sell them. Like, it just, it just, it, it checks so many little boxes for us. And Jason's yeah. point too, because we're, this is an everyday thing mm -hmm. and you can read it for free, um, you know, for that month and then we'll take it down, but you can read it. Um, you know, like people stay, people's like get on board and then they stay. So, and we found that it's a different, like it's a different audience and like we have the product. We say like, Here's the story arc of our peregrines, you know, number seven, eight, nine. And you go, oh, okay. And here are these little one shots that we do. And you see people flip through and they're just like, people are drawn to different things. Like some people like the energy and spontaneity of having like a choose your own adventure, you know, every day. While other people like the long form, I want the narrative over four issues, right? So mm. it's, it gives us that variety again mm. of product, um, even though it's the same product, you know, ostensibly. So it's, we found it's, it's been pretty helpful. So. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I found my, my own little uh, comic strip on Instagram. It's like an unlicensed Mickey Mouse noir comic, but uh, it's, uh, I, I think that I, I bit off a little bit more than I could chew by, by trying to make it over 300 strips. Um, so I kind of got about 150 strips deep and uh kind of uh, now it's a hole I need to dig myself back out of. <laughs> I think you're going to say a bit off more than you because Disney came a knocking. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, people, people always ask. And I always say that, um, that, yeah, you know, if they can, if they want to knock down my door, then I'll talk to them. Uh, and I'll, you know, I'll stop if they tell me to, but they haven't yet. And and Mickey Mouse is public domain in Canada, but the, uh, the original like steamboat Willie type one, and that's the one I'm working right. with. So, that's the other Steve thing. Steamboat uh, itchy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is great. I know um, uh, Chris and Jason uh, mentioned that you have other things you have to head off to. <laughs> yes. But uh, but yeah, this was really great. Um, and thank you all so much for for coming down and uh, you know hopping on the call and sharing all of your you know your collective knowledge. Is there any uh, thing you wanted to to leave with before we go? Yeah, River Seven of All Secret Sale. Projects on Crowdfunder. Yeah, exactly. Check out our book on our, our projects on Crowdfunder. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Conan's for sure. And I've been following, you know, in the in the distance on on social media, uh, you know, was following Tidal Creek and uh, a couple of the artists that contribute. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to checking out your campaign. I, I uh, have been irresponsible and not not diving too deep into what everyone else is doing, but now you have inspired me. And of course, the Doug Wright book. That's really mm -hmm. cool. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Yeah, and uh, great, I great wanted job. to mention that's uh, that Doug Wright book. That is really cool. Um, one of my areas of interest is Canadian comic history. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of very important, really big, really influential people that no one knows about just because they lived and operated in Canada. So yeah, you're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> and 19% to go, get over there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's, all, let's all help each other out, eh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's perfect. Yeah, thank you all so much, and uh, and we'll be, we'll talk again. I'm sure. Yeah, thanks so much, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Take care. All right. See you later. Bye bye. <laughs>